Good morning and welcome to Sunlight Christian Center, located in downtown Orange. Let's join Pastor Joe and the worship service in progress. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. I have a title that's going to seem a little strange. The devil is right. It seems odd because everything we know about the devil is he's a liar. Jesus said he's the father of lies. That means he originated lies. He's a deceiver. He's a misleader. He whispered into Eve's ears and lied to her. You shall not surely die. And ever since he's been telling lies. But in this instance, this morning, I want to show you where the devil is right. And hopefully it will minister to you. The devil will only tell the truth when the truth does more damage than a lie. A banker's wife one time was um, kind of bored with life, and so she decided to visit a fortune teller. When she went to the fortune teller, the fortune teller looked at her hand and, and said, I see that your husband has a blonde on his mind. And so she was disturbed with that since she's a brunette. And so she casually went to the office, the bank where he worked, and noticed in the office there was a receptionist who used to be a brunette, but lo and behold was a blonde. And so she put two and two together, and she figured out that her husband was having an affair. For the next five or six months, the marriage deteriorated. There was some barbed, wired words, and there was some hurt feelings, and there was some negativity and there was some stress and there was some tension and the marriage was really stretching and hurting and finally after a period of time the husband sat down with his wife and said honey you got to explain what in the world is going on it seems like everything is going south she said and she opened up and shared with him that she had gone to a fortune teller and the fortune teller told her that her husband had a blonde on his mind he said, I went to your office and I noticed that the receptionist is blonde. You're having an affair. He said, no, I'm not having an affair. And I do have a blonde on my mind. But it's my sister. She's ill. And she's back east. And I've been thinking about her for a lot. The devil will use the truth to divide, to scatter, to destroy, to ruin. Jesus said he comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. And so whenever we have any business to do with the devil or the devil has any business to do with us, it is to damage. It doesn't matter what he's using, it's always geared and engineered to damage and destroy us. He's around like a roaring lion, the Bible says, seeking whom he may devour. He may come with a big smile on his face, but behind that smile there are daggers and he intends to bring us down. Somebody said last week, Pastor Joe, you, you've been starting a series on the devil and, and uh, you've got to be prepared for, for combat with the devil. I said, well, I, I guess I am. <laughs> I guess I will be. Uh, he should have taken me out a long time ago because I'm going through the series no matter what. And so if you turn to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, I'm going to read the same passage I read last week. I'd like to go over it again. Starting with verse 10. Finally, my brother, and these are his last remarks. He says, finally, after having told you everything that I've told you, 
Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong. And when he tells us to be strong, he obviously he points to the fact, be strong in the Lord. Now, how do you be strong in the Lord? I mean, how, how do you be strong? Period. What, what do I do? Do I need to work out in the gym? It has nothing to do with physical. So he's not talking about physically. And in fact, in fact there's nothing that you can do to bring strength into this battle. I'm weak. But he's strong. And the truth is, you're weak. And he's strong. And so when Paul writes to us, he says, I just want you to know my final words. Be strong in the Lord. How do you become strong in the Lord? You become strong in the Lord when you know what it is the Lord does. When you know who it is that you're dealing with. You're dealing with a Lord. Do you know him as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who will provide? Has he provided for you? Then you know him. Do you know him as Lord God Almighty? Do you know him as a healer? Do you know him as the ever-present one, the one that stands by your side? That's what being strong in the Lord is. You're strong in the Lord and you receive his strength for battle when you know who he is. Do you know him? I mean, not just God, do you know him? Have you ever felt him move in your life? Has he ever spoken to you through his word? Has, has he ever nudged you? Has, have you ever followed his leading? That's knowing the Lord. That's where your strength comes in. I'm listening to you. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, I mentioned last week the word wiles is not a word that we use, but what it means simply is this, it's the devil's tactics. The devil's got a scheme, he's got a plan, he's got a plot, he's got a method. And he, he uses his method to bring you down. And you've got to understand that he's smart. He's an intelligent being, very intelligent. In fact, think about this. I may talk about this a little bit next week, but think about what audacity it would be for a created being like the devil to even imagine that he could possibly overthrow God, the Creator. He actually thought he could do it. We're talking about a powerful individual. That's the person that wants to take you down and take me down. And he got plans. He got plans. He got a way. He got, he know, he got plans because he knows your weaknesses. And when he, he understands your weaknesses, he works his plan to maneuver you to the place where your weakness will do you the most damage. And to bring it down. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Principalities means when the devil employs somebody to bring you down, he goes to the highest officials, the highest ranking demons, the highest powers, and we are no match. Against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, with the, the, the language of it just keeps rolling off of what caught my attention, was the rulers of the darkness, the rulers of the, the devil operates in the dark. When he puts his schemes together, he operates in the dark because in the dark we have trouble distinguishing 
It's in the dark. You can't. You, you ever try? You know, last Thursday I had to go visit somebody in the hospital early in the morning. So I got up at like 6 o'clock in the morning. It was still dark out. And I put on a pair of black pants and put on a shirt to match. Walked out of the house. It was still dark. Got in my car. Drove to the hospital. Got out of the car at the hospital. It was still dark. Got into the hospital. I prayed with the person who was there. And I sat down with the family just for a little while. And by the time I got out, it was about a quarter after 8. And I walked out. And it was late. And I walked into the, the parking lot. And I looked down. And the black pants that I thought I was wearing were blue. <laughs> Try to dress yourself at night and see what happens. You can't really see, can't distinguish the colors. The colors not, you, what looks black might be blue. And, and I've done it before. I've done it on a Sunday one time. Nancy Ann was at a ladies retreat. And I just grabbed a pair of pants and I came to church and what was supposed to be black was blue and I really looked really odd to myself. I mean, I was in self, self-conscious the whole day. The devil works in a place where you're vulnerable, where you're not sharp, where even when you use whatever sharp facilities you have, they're blunted because it's dark and you can't see. You don't know the difference between right and wrong. I've had somebody come into my office and say, Pastor, I don't know why I did it. I don't know why I did it. I don't know why I did it. I said, you did it because you were in the dark. Because a lot of things that we do in the dark, when we get in the light, we realize they were stupid. But it's amazing, in the dark, it didn't look stupid until the light was turned on. That's why we tell our young people, so you've got to make sure you know what your values are, uh, are right now because you don't want to decide what your values are in the backseat of a car. When the light's down low, you need to decide what you're going to do now, what you're going to say no to now. You don't want to wait because if you wait until it's dark, you won't have what it takes. Your foundation won't be there. You won't have what it takes to make decisions, and so you'll be acting in the dark. How many people have acted in the dark? I got this note. I got that found it in my files. Listen, listen to this. I didn't think it was bad when I first started taking it. But I've been getting pretty stoned lately. And you just don't know what is real and what isn't real. After you take so much of that stuff, you just really don't know where you're at. I should have never started taking marijuana. I'm going to be suffering eternally for this. And this person then took their life. They made decisions in the dark and they didn't have the understanding that the light would have given them. And sometimes we do some stuff and we don't know how bad it is until somebody turns on the light. And the devil and his agents operate in the darkness. They operate in the darkness because they want to get you to stumble over something. They want you to bump into some problem or to bump into some conflict or to bump into some habit or to bump into some addiction and before you really can get back on your feet to do anything about it you find yourself stuck, chained. You made decisions in the dark and when the light was turned on you discovered how much of a slave you were. Do you think that Samson would have told Delilah the secret of his strength if the light was on? Do you think the prodigal son who was living in luxury in his father's house 
wearing royal robes of authority, would have gone into the far country and spent all of his money foolishly only to end up in rags in a pig's pen if the light was on? Decisions are made so many times when the light's out. And that's what the devil's all about. Rulers of the darkness trying to get us to do things in the dark that make absolutely no sense when the light's turned on. That's why we need light. That's why we need the light. And so we come to church and we get light. The Word of God is light. If all the preacher did was read God's Word to you, you were getting light. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. I need light. I, need, I don't need a whole lot of light. I need enough light to make my next step. That's the light that I need. And we need to learn how to rely on God. And when Paul says, be strong in the Lord, that's what he's talking about. Be strong in the Lord. That's where your light is. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. In this passage, Paul mentions over and over again, you got to stand. You need to stand. You need to stand your ground. Because the devil's trying to remove the ground that you're standing on. The devil would like to shake the foundation. And so we need to learn how to stand on God's word. Stand on it. Plant our feet on God's word. Said, I don't care what circumstances say. This is what God says. And I'm going with what God's saying. Who are you going to believe? Your eyes or the Lord? Sometimes you cannot even believe your eyes. You've got to believe what God says. And some people may look at us and say, that's kind of foolish. What do you mean? You should use logic. God operates in a realm far beyond logic. That's why we have a thing called faith. It bypasses logic. So we need to learn how to stand. If you're going to fight the devil, you've got to realize you've got to stand. If you, the reason why you've got to stand is because he'd like to pull out everything underneath you that you're standing on. And I got to thinking about this. You know what we need to do is we just need to understand. We need to understand that we need to keep our balance. And that's why we come to church, and that's why we worship, and that's why we get God's Word, so that we can keep our balance. If, if you don't keep your balance, you find yourself crooked, and you find yourself tilting, and, and, and you're not sure-footed, and, and you end up losing your stand, and you're flat on your back. We need to understand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, and we dealt with this last week. And so I dealt with truth. Truth is God's word. It's what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? Because that's your shield. That's your protection. That's your armor. Put on the whole armor of God. Get to know what it is that Jesus said. Because the devil's going to come and he's going to talk to you. You've got to know what it is that Jesus said. And I'm not going to deal with that. I'm going to deal with the second piece of armor. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And that's what I want to talk about this morning the breastplate, what does it mean to have... Paul's using military language and military uniform. This is the uniform uh, 2,000 years ago, the army's uniform. Behold, you know what some Christians wear today? They wear shorts, a straw hat, and sandals to go out against the enemy, thinking that it's a picnic. It is not a picnic. This is a battle, and you've got to be prepared for the battle that you're going to engage the enemy because he has every intention of bringing you down. And Paul says you need to, to put on the breastplate of his righteousness. I thought about this. 
the breastplate obviously is to protect your heart. To, the, the, obviously, protect your heart. I've been getting a magazine for years called Prevention Magazine, and in that magazine it gives you little hints and little tidbits and little ideas about taking good care of yourself. Prevention Magazine will tell you if you want to take care of your heart, you better watch what you drink, and you better watch what you smoke. <laughs> but if you read the magazine, you'll discover that you got to have less fatty foods, less red meats, less starch, less sugar, less salt. If you want to take care of your heart, and you have to have more fruits and vegetables, and more fiber. And my mother throws in and a little garlic, because that'll help you. That's how you take care of your heart. If you want to take care of your heart, these are the things that you learn. I'm sure there's some other things, but these are the things that you learn to do in order to take care of your heart. Well, Paul is talking about a piece of armor to protect your heart, but he's not talking about what you eat. He's talking about what is eating you. And he says, put on the whole armor of God and wear the breastplate of righteousness because you've got to be careful of what is eating you. You. I wanted to demonstrate and explain it in a way so it's really simple. And so I want you to listen to me for a few moments. Do you remember when you got saved? When you accepted the Lord, you may have come down to the altar. Maybe, maybe you were in church or maybe you were home or somewhere. And you came down to the altar and you said, Lord, I want to give my life to you. The preacher was preaching and I realized I have a need and so I come. And when you come to give your heart to the Lord, you come with your guilt. You come with your unworthiness. You come knowing that you don't deserve God's love. You come knowing you're a sinner. You come knowing that you're condemned. You come when you're realizing, I need Jesus to save me. That's, what, that's how you came. You came broken, bankrupt. That's how you come to Jesus. And when you come that way, Jesus, instead of tossing you aside and saying, I can't use you, says, you're just what I'm looking for. Because the only way you can qualify for salvation is to admit you don't qualify for God's love. And so Jesus comes in and he forgives you, forgives you. And, and you're amazed by that because, Lord, how could you forgive me of that and that other thing? And, this, and he says, I forgive you. No matter what you've done, I forgive you. And we leave feeling exuberant. We feel, oh, wow, I feel. And people describe it as I feel light. I feel like I've been freed. I, I feel like peace. I feel joy. And that's what you feel when you get saved. And people feel, they, they have a, a feeling that they've been, somehow they've been released from bondage and the chains broke off and now. And that's what salvation is. And the devil knew that you came down to receive Jesus. The devil slipped right on into the church service and it watched you give your heart to the Lord and he's following you out to church. He takes a step with you and every time you do something, he says, oh, you're supposed to be the Christian and he rubs it in. You're supposed to be the holy one. You know you're not holy and we, we respond to that when he says, he says, you're not holy. You're not really holy. And we, we realize, you know what? He's right. I'm not holy. And he says, he says, you know those thoughts you were thinking? You know those? They're unholy thoughts. And you say, 
That's right. They are unholy thoughts. And you know the way you've been acting lately don't mean you got angry at a time. You know you shouldn't have been angry, but you got angry. You gave vent to your own feelings and you said and you hurt and you criticized and you, and you, and you know you don't deserve God's love. And we say, you know, you're right. And he keeps on telling you day after day, week after week, you ain't what you're cracking up to be and you're not as holy as you want others to think and you really don't deserve the forgiveness that God gave you because look at you, you're right back to doing those things you used to do before and you're thinking bad thoughts and you're acting in bad ways and you've been nasty and you're harboring resentment and you had a grudge and you and he and he and he and he keeps on multiplying his accusations against us and as they are multiplying we are weighed down again with the weight of all of that guilt and accusation and I want you to see this for a moment because this is what the devil does to you internally he beats you up with your record and you can't help but say you know he's right he's right I did that and he keeps bringing up your shortcomings. And he doesn't stop. He's unrelenting. He doesn't say, well, I'm going to cool it now. This week I'm going to give him a little He keeps coming. You wake up in the middle of the night. He keeps. You go to bed at night. He'll bring it to your attention. And when you wake up in the morning, he'll be right. And everywhere you go, people will remind you. And some way he'll use other people. He knows all of your shortcomings. All of them. Even the ones you're not aware of. And he will bring them up. And whip you with them. And put you down. And before you know it, you're whipped and you got a bag of bricks on your back and you're walking like this and the joy that you had and the, and the peace that the Lord gave you when you accepted Jesus is you're going down, down, down. He's beating you. And you know he's right. You know he's right. You know he's right because what he's saying is true. You don't have what it takes to be disciplined and to be a disciple and to be the Christian that they talk about. You, you can't... You can't even maintain your diet. You know you stole that chocolate chip cookie after you made all these promises. See how the devil does it? He finds you, he catches you in the act of being yourself and beats you with it. And then, then he quotes the Bible to you. And you know he's right because it's Bible. And the devil tells you, you realize that your righteousness is as filthy rags? And we say, you're right. My righteousness is as filthy rags. I don't deserve God's forgiveness. I'm not worthy. I'm not holy. I'm not a saint. I want to be spiritual, but I'm not spiritual. And he beats us up. And the truth is, the devil is right, but he doesn't tell you enough. He doesn't tell you that Jesus is righteousness. And that's why Paul says we need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. It's not our righteousness that we're putting on. It's his righteousness. When God looks at us, he doesn't look at our record. He looks at the record of his son. When God looks and sees our lives, he not, God, God knows that we're not good enough. God knows we can't fool God. He knows we're not good enough. And if good, enough, if good enough was what God was looking for, God would be on the sidelines. I'm still waiting. Because we'll never, ever be good enough. 
And so God's not looking around for our good enough. And somebody might look at this and say, you know what, that is, Pastor Joe, you're kind of subtly giving a license to those to do whatever they want to do, knowing that after all, it's the righteousness of Jesus that protects them, and therefore they're not responsible. That's wrong thinking. That's bad. That's so bad. Because the reason why that's bad thinking is because it's not like God's blind to what it is that's going on. The devil sees what you're doing, and he brings it, slaps you in the face with it. The devil knows we're unworthy. He wants us to know we're unworthy. He heard us criticize somebody. He wants to tell you that you did something wrong. He heard you. He listened to your bad thoughts and your unholy thoughts he wants to tell you. And God's on the sidelines listening to and hearing the same thing. And God's response is this, not to whip you, but to say, you know, my child needs some work on. And so I'm going to take this child that I love and put him on my workbench, place him on my workbench, and I'll work circumstances out. Chisel, please. Hammer. And he begins to chisel the areas in our lives. It's not like God doesn't see that we're not good enough. He knows. The only difference is that God does not condemn us for what it is that he sees. He's willing to work with the likes of us despite the fact of what he sees. The devil wants to whip us with what he sees. Paul comes and says, if you're going to fight against the devil, you better put on the breastplate of his righteousness because your righteousness won't cut it. You need to hide behind Jesus. And there's plenty of scripture verse to help us understand it. There is therefore now no condemnation. No, say that word with me. No condemnation. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean that we're going to get away with murder. What that does mean is that when God takes a look at us, he picks us up, puts us on a workbench, and there he begins to work all of the kinks and the wrinkles out in our life. The devil will whip you with all of the areas that he can accuse you with. He is the accuser of the brethren, the Bible says. He just wants to do everything he can to kill, to steal, and destroy everything that you are. This is the battle that we're in. And God says, I want to protect you from this battle, so put on the breastplate of righteousness because when we're dealing with the enemy, he will go right to where it is that you are unworthy, but you got to put the worthiness of Jesus between you and the devil, and you hide behind Jesus, and now you hear God's word. That's why you need God's word. you got to hear, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. God's going to work on you, but there's no condemnation, and the devil wants to condemn us, and the Lord says, I don't want you to be contempt. you got to shake that thing off. you got to protect your heart. If the devil gets in, he will mess up your emotions. you got to protect yourself, and that's why you wear the breastplate. Who is he who condemns? Romans 8. That's a reference to the devil. And God is saying, who is he who's condemning you? It's Christ who died for you. I got you covered. You have been listening to Pastor Joe at Sunlight Christian Center. We are located in beautiful downtown Orange, just one block north of the Chapman Circle at 172 North Glassell Street. 